For the week of February 3rd, 2018, Modest Brewing tells Bud to shove those Super Bowl tickets up their dilly dilly. Yellowtail outfoxes AB InBev Super Bowl lock, plus animatronic kangaroos. Yellow Label is no longer yellow. The Bourbon Trail gets well-traveled and more this week on Have a Drink News. Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this week, just start us off. Dun, dun, first week. Dun. Yes, week one. So, uh, girl story. <laughs> first story, uh, Modest Brewing is raffling off their Super Bowl tickets from the Dilly Dilly incident. So, quick catch-up. If you aren't aware of the Dilly Dilly incident, ABM Bev uh, has, you know, for Bud Light, the big Dilly Dilly ad campaign. And they decided, Modest decided to make a New England IPA, and they called it Dilly Dilly. And then they got sued. Or, they were going to get sued from ABM Bev, but they were cheeky about it. And had a town crier come in and just told them, hey, drop the name and everything's fine. And they gave them a couple Super Bowl tickets. Well, <laughs> that's your big catch-up. Uh, it was a federal trademark for Dilly Dilly for use uh, in relation to and selling their light beer. Basically, if beer is involved, no one but AB can use it. Minneapolis-based Modest Brewing got the attention of AB in December when they released Dilly Dilly Mosaic IPA on draft. Instead of the standard cease and desist letter, Bud took a more classy approach. They sent over their own medieval scribe reading the cease and desist letter from Parchment, then offered a set of Super Bowl tickets to Modest who is located in the Bulls' host city this year, to smooth it all over. Instead of taking the very expensive seats for themselves, Modest has decided to raffle off the tickets to Minnesotans. Min- Would that be how you say yeah. that? Minnesotans? Right. Yeah. I think you say Why it not? as Minnesotans. Minnesotans. Right. <laughs> uh, the proceeds will go to the employees' favorite charities, uh, in a quote, they said, As much as we would love to watch our employees joust for a chance to go to the big game, our employees have instead decided to raffle off the tickets to the benefit of their favorite charities. Modest is hoping to raise a whopping $50,000 for charity starting January 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, raffle tickets can be purchased for $25 a piece at the tap room. You have to purchase the tickets in person. Yep. I wonder... If there's a way to raise money for charity by jousting now, <laughs> that should be a thing that they do every year. I would think, you know. So yeah, uh, they break down. If you go dig into the story, they break down your chances uh, of winning if you go there, and they're actually really good because if it's you and a friend, because for the two tickets, uh, 
if there are two of you going, you have like a one in 500 chance because they are limiting the number of tickets sold flat out. They're not just going to keep selling and yeah. selling and selling tickets. Yeah. So you have a really good chance of winning Super Bowl tickets that uh, the value is close to 10 grand for these seats. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just like the 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 amount those tickets go go through go yeah. for. How do you have people at the Super Bowl? I know that's not. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they save yeah. up, but, but yeah, that's still crazy. The uh, seating chart, if you take a peek at it, um, you'll actually see these are in section 120, which I think is pretty close to the the middle section, if not in the very middle of that stadium. And only eight team rows back. They are almost perfect. <laughs> like, I mean, they'd have picture to be perfect seats. From from look, I only get seats that good for Browns games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I take that back. Oh, end zone seats. Oh my gosh. End zone seats. Yeah, middle of the end zone. So yeah. Oh. Get to, you'll be on camera. <laughs> I don't. I don't even have a ball, and I know that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I've never cared for end zone side. I always like being in the middle, so I can see both ends of the game going on. Yeah. Hmm. That's same. That's how we are at soccer. So I assume that's <laughs> the same everywhere. But okay, so it is. You know, I guess it's 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 a good way for them to 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 do the whole Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, like they gave them these tickets. It would look kind of bad if they went. Well, I guess we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In addition to the the ticket aspect, though, they're also uh, releasing Dungeon Juice, which is the renamed uh, beer. <laughs> So well, it's to keep okay, with the medieval so, theme, it's Dungeon Juice, subtitled Another Juicy IPA. Yeah, uh, I I think I've only seen one of the Dilly Dilly commercials. I guess the first one, because I went to YouTube and asked, what right. is this Dilly Dilly <laughs> about? What's the deal with Dilly Dilly? <laughs> What's the deal with Willy Dilly Dills? Um, hmm. But the... Uh, apparently one of my coworkers is telling me like, oh yeah, no, they have this new one. This person brings in all this craft beer and they throw them in the dungeon. And I was like, that's just that's mean. terrible. That's awful and that they're dumb and I hate it now. I hate it worse than I did. Okay. <laughs> um, and again, I've not seen that. I cannot confirm if that's true or not. But it probably is. <laughs> I, I've never seen a minute, and I just remember everyone's reaction. And I'm like, what the hell's dilly dilly? And then everyone's eyes light up around you because they get to tell you about this, and then you look at them disappointed <laughs> instead of them getting the reaction they were expecting. Aren't, yeah. Isn't that a nice cream bar, by the way? Isn't... Oh, a dilly uh, you, bar? You do have the dilly <laughs> bar. Okay. That's true. See, that was kind of where my father was going the first time I heard this. Like, oh, you get two ice cream bars. Yeah, win-win. Okay. That's what I want. All right. <laughs> uh, spring does sound... It's freezing, but... I would, I could go for some. Ice cream's always discounted this time of year to go from the uh, Michael Warwick's tactic there. He said it's the best time to buy ice cream sandwiches. They're always dirt cheap. Or, what? or you head to, to Dairy Queen during a blizzard. <laughs> mm, or a blizzard. <laughs> free blizzard. Really? At least the one up here. <laughs> and that, may be a, that may be a whole franchise thing. I don't know. It would make <laughs> sense. It's a good, gets you in the door. That's smart. Yeah. That is smart. It, it gets you toward the door. I don't know depend, if, how bad that blizzard you, is. You may not make it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Move on on to cool. the next one. Yeah. I, I do want to point out this is also a really good move for them because Anheuser-Busch got some good feelings from their, their town crier, and this lets them turn some of that back towards them too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's from a mar- from, I don't know if it's a marketing, but from a, a PR standpoint, let's say, this helps – get them a little extra little extra juice out of that i guess 
Yeah. Mm. Sure. Cool. All right. Next up. Speaking yeah. of which. <laughs> Getting around the Super Bowl slash AB InBev exclusivity deal. Uh so the Australian winery, Yellowtail, has a marketing uh, company de- uh, devising new ways to get exposure during the Super Bowl. ABN Bev has exclusive rights to advertising of alcoholic, beverage, alcoholic beverages during the Super Bowl on a national level. So anything going through the big, whichever network it's on. CBS, I think. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I honestly had to Google which channel is it on before we did this. So I was like, uh, it's CBS is what it told me. The only reason I know it's CBS is because the other games, the, the two playoff games that got them to the Super Bowl were playing on CBS all access, which I only have because of star Trek. Right. This led to a long rabbit hole of me realizing that they have to rotate who gets what football game when, um, anyway, uh, so basically, they can buy. Uh, you cannot buy any airtime on one of the uh, on whichever network is broadcasting the Super Bowl, uh, and have it related to alcohol. You can, however, buy time on the local affiliates and broadcast it on their time, because mm. the breakdown for most stuff. I can't remember if it's like sixty forty or like seventy thirty or something. But yeah, most of your national commercials will go through, and then they block off a few time, few minutes for your local uh, local affiliates put out their stuff. Uh, so Yellowtail has gone into uh, 80 local markets to buy <laughs> a to buy a, a time for their Super Bowl ad. They did 70 the year before, so they're actually Ooh. upping it up. Wow. Um, this this is a creative workaround. The uh, exclusive contract that ABN Bev has it has it is however not cheap. Uh, Tom. Uh, Stefansi? Sure. It's a weird word. Name. That's not a weird name. Whatever. Uh, the president of the Dutch fa- uh, Family Wine and Spirits, the U.S. importer and marketer of the Australian wine, claims this cost an extra $5 million, actually more than $5 million, to, to do this. Wow. Uh, nuts. I thought it would be cheaper. No, because he's got to buy it. Instead of just buying it in one place, he's got to buy it in 80 places. Uh-huh. So that's, that's going to end up, in the long haul, ratcheting up the cost. Uh, so the uh, basically they have a 30-second ad, which has a person coming home, only to find a kangaroo and several Australians there to greet him with a bottle of wine. Uh, and they pitch for the party that Yellowtail promises. Uh I don't know if we can get the video. It's it's fairly short, but it's it's. Or I don't know if don't we're know allowed if to the show. Connection will allow it right now. Well, we can try. Yeah, so I also don't know if we're allowed to show it. There's. Oh. I'm not getting paid by them. Oh, gotcha. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, basically, you come home. There's a bottle of wine. Uh, well, you, you come home. There's a kangaroo in your foyer, and out comes some Australians in suits, going with glasses of wine, going. It's time to party. And if they don't open with sure. g'day, mate, then I'm done. I, I, to I do don't it. recall if they open with good day. The, they, I think no, the, they open with surprise because they throw confetti everywhere. Uh, uh, the the best part is the kangaroo blowing one of those party, yeah, <laughs> party <laughs> things. I've the, at least the, got the uh, the uh, picture there of the the video <laughs> with the kangaroo. Yeah, they they have apparently the kangaroo has a name. Um, of course it does because it's it's animatronic. It's it's they don't have a real kangaroo. Uh, <laughs> 
Lies. Lies. It's real. It it is the the jaws of kangaroos. Um so yeah, they it stars Rupert. Is that they they oh, named him? Rupert. Uh, yes. R O O P E R T. Yellowtail's oh. animatronic kangaroo mascot, also known as Rue. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It's so awful it's kind of awesome. I don't know. I, I kinda like it. It's a it's like the dad joke kangaroo. It's it is the dad joke of kangaroos. They do have a neat thing to say in here where that it's it's them trying to to get more people drinking wine during the Super Bowl, not just doing beer. And they say uh, 55% of households are drinking wine during the Super Bowl, and they never thought uh, and they never seen they'd never seen wine looking back at them. Uh, and it's nice to know uh, they had broken through the drought. Uh, yeah, 55% of households have wine. But yeah, I don't that know doesn't mean they're drinking you know? during the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's how they put it. And I was like, I feel yeah. like that's that's not exactly accurate, but it's it's a nice sentiment. Yeah. Becky brought her own wine. That's that's a, probably it, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, all right then. Uh, moving on from Yellow Tell to the Yellow Label of Four Roses Bourbon. Uh, the Lawrenceburg, Kentucky-based bourbon distillery Four Roses has changed their look over the past few years from the small batch to the single barrel. Both of those have new looks and new um, new packaging. Um, that is going to change now for the, the base brand, their iconic yellow label, to match the look of the other Four Roses brands. Um, the brand, brand will be losing the iconic yellow color of the label, to match with the darker tan and brown colors in the other bottles they produce. Although the label is changing, Four Roses says that the liquid inside will stay the same. In addition to the change of the label, the packaging will gain a wooden-topped cork instead of the plastic screw top caps that have been on there previously. Um, both, I believe, are indications that the value brand of bourbon, this this is usually set as a a brand of bourbon and a, a line of bourbon that is your mixer bourbon. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not... It's not usually my go-to for no up there bourbon. No, and so my my thought here is that they're trying to charge more for it, and they're changing the packaging to make it look more um, more expensive. And they're pulling a shivers. Oh, seriously, yeah. who was it when yeah. we were out at the liquor store recently? It was me. We... It was me talking about Chivas Regal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all they did. All they did was change the packaging and up the price, and sales went through the roof. And mm -hmm. I think that's what they're trying to do here with Yellow Label, which kind of upsets me a little bit. Um, the the single barrel and the small batch are amazing bourbons. Um, the Yellow Label, I really can't stand. Um, <laughs> especially, I couldn't sip it, but I'm oh, not no. a big fan of it as a mixer either. Um, but most of the, the that Yellow Label is kind of iconic, though. It goes back to years before the brand was even purchased and re, re even bought by the japanese yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly um and kind of rebranded uh the distillery for four roses has this tex-mex feel to it hmm. um, i haven't been we almost went we almost went yeah, I haven't uh, been then either. chris got off work early and we were like oh, okay <laughs> my bad yeah. yeah we were at braxton lab so it worked out okay hmm. yeah but but i think that all the labels are kind of pulling in that new that that look of the tex-mex feel with that that kind of westerny mm -hmm. look mm -hmm. uh, okay colors all i was thinking of is like some sort of i don't know enchirito or something <laughs> mm. <sighs> Yum. nice all right. all right so yeah i just i, I just wonder I, I don't know. I'm wondering how it's going to turn out, and it's something I want to keep an eye on 
in the future because <laughs> I want to go and, and check the prices of Four Roses right now and I, then check them. If I had thought about it when I was at the liquor store today, I would have done like a price check. I was like, let's write this down now. Well, right now they're rock bottom because I don't know if you all paid attention when we walked into Party Source, but front and center, as soon as you come through the door, is a gigantic Four Roses display where they have the current labeling bottles all up mm -hmm. on deep discount. So they're trying to blow out all of this current stock to make room for this revamped. Yeah. yeah. Roll out the new stuff. All right. Yeah. All right. So okay. speaking of bourbon... <laughs> And at the end of the day, aren't we always? We are, it turns out. Um, a statement from the Kentucky Distillers Association says nearly 1.2 million people visited the 23 members of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail and Bourbon Trail Craft Tour last year. The number of visitors has grown by 314% over the past 10 years. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, as a percentage, that's high. That's, that's like kind of nuts. Uh, some of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail members include Heaven Hill in Bardstown, Jim Beam in Claremont, and Maker's Mark in, I don't know the name of that city. Is it Laredo? Is that how you say it? Laredo? Laredo, I think. Loretto. We're in Kentucky. I how do know. you think you say it? That's the <laughs> thing. You can never tell. Um, <laughs> Loretta Lynn Town. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, that would be closer towards Paintsville. <laughs> yeah. We say yeah, Louisville. True. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and Versailles. Anyway. Uh, member of the members of the Bourbon Trail Craft Tour include uh, Corsair in Bowling Green, Limestone Branch in Lebanon, and Roland in Pembroke. I don't know where that is. Um, the increased attendance figures don't include those who visited Buffalo Trace and Barton 1792 Distillery, neither of which mm -hmm. are members of the Bourbon Trail. Kentucky currently has 52 distilleries operating within its borders, with 6.8 million barrels of bourbon being aged across the state. No, now, what was the original? Like, what do they say? It's like how many barrels per citizen of Kentucky? Oh, oh, dear. So we're, no. yeah, we're over a barrel a person now. I'm fine one, with this. I get my half. When, when can I get my barrel? When can I pick it up? Chicken and, in every, chicken every pot and a barrel for every Kentuckian. <laughs> we go that, that leaves enough for to everybody else to share yeah, these uh, numbers are i'm pretty crazy. sure i could be governor with that kind of pitch so yeah <laughs> right. uh this is our no, tourism sorry, not pot chicken and every deep fryer and uh, <laughs> oh yeah you can't uh, say it. yeah that's a good point so yeah that's i mean with these numbers it's great for for kentucky for tourism because we are hurting for some tourism dollars and it shows like the they're on the rise and that is good in these areas but maybe we can uh, give a little influx to these numbers sometime in the near future. I mean, yeah, as a uh, show. I was really intrigued when uh, when me and Casey went to um, Town Branch, Branch yeah. <laughs> just yes. on the trail, and they had like, oh, and here's the craft uh, bourbon trail. I was like, there's a craft bourbon trail. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're kind of just throwing stuff. You the know, plot just, just like here. <laughs> here's, well, there's also the uh, what was it? The bluegrass brews. Trail. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was point. like, it's, apparently it's all kinds of things. <laughs> Four trails I even thought of. I, I, I got to take up hiking. <laughs> hiking with bourbon. That's that's hiking I get behind, but I get behind all hiking. Th this so. weekend, hiking with bourbon. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. That's, the... that's a YouTube series right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Or hiking with uh, spirits. Yeah. That fifty-two distilleries though, like I know. I was listening to. I was watching a earlier today. I was watching a. A History Channel documentary on liquor. Um, How long till Hitler? <laughs> there was no Hitler. Uh, oh, that's was... right. Sorry, this is this is new History Channel. How yeah. long till ice road trucking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were mentioning whenever this was recorded, 
the uh, number of distilleries in Kentucky was 14. I was oh going to guess God. 16. And so that 52. was not an old, I mean, that was probably the, the high school, whenever I was in high school, those were coming out, that, yeah. that style. Now, that said, the, you know, the influx of craft distilling and, and smaller scale distilleries yeah. is, you know, making yeah. stuff like that. And that that could have a big reason why there's 314% growth because, you know, you, you do a visit to your local distillery. Mm. You don't do the entire trail, but you do the local distillery that's on the trail and, and you know, one that just opened up down the road and, and you get a lot of visitors that way. Yeah, I mean, I want to do the entire trail. I agree. I want to yeah, see all 52, even if they aren't on the trail. <laughs> I want to see where the liquor is. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, who here has an Instagram account? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, the female. Okay. There, what? there is an account. I don't mean that to sound sexist. I just meant like she has no. a personal account here? and she manages the show account. Yes. Although I have, so, we haven't posted as much on the show account as I would like. Well, I gotta figure that out. Uh, I know nothing about it. So when I'm handed the story for black wine goes viral, I'm like, the f is this. So, given the proliferation of visually driven food and drink trends, uh, a la rainbow bagels and unicorn frappuccinos, one would Take be for- a selfie with my spaghetti. <laughs> one would be forgiven for God. One be forgiven the for guilty. thinking black I can't wine. Can't afford that. I need a selfie with my spaghettios. <laughs> <laughs> one would be forgiven for thinking that black wine is a new phenomenon. Uh, created for and by the Instagram age. But these inky wines are actually some of the world's oldest juice made from an ancient, deeply pigmented red grape. So, Casey, you're gonna, the name of this grape, the <laughs> Separ... <That> is... <laughs> Separavi. Separavi. Yeah, whatever, the Separavi grape. Uh, its name translates to dye. <laughs> oh, nice. It's ingenious. D-Y-E, not... Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> dye! No. Although, uh, as black wine, that would be like, oh. Mm, I was going to say, they're taking yes. that little goth edge of it a little too far. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, it comes with its own clove cigarettes. It's indigenous <laughs> It's indigenous to the country, Georgia. Not the state, but the country. Uh, which archaeologist accounts dating back to 5000 BCE. It produces near-black wines that are almost unheard of outside of Europe. Uh, the grape is among the oldest varietals in existence. It hails from... Kakiti? I don't exactly. Georgia's, <laughs> Georgia's easternmost region on the Russian border. So until 2013, these uh, grapes, I just, I'm avoiding saying the name again, yeah. was not a recognized variety according to the U.S. government. So that's why it is just now becoming a thing. Uh, so Dr. Frank's Winery labeled it under proprietary name. <laughs> uh, his, that grape's name. <laughs> <laughs> is very spicy with a fragrant almost Christmas cake aroma with <gasps> notes of oh. cinnamon, clove, and dried herbs. That sounds good. So if it, if it delivered on this description, I want some of that wine. I'm on board with that <laughs> taste. That's fine. I, I thought for a minute there it was the Christmas tree cakes that come oh. out in Little Debbie. I mean, <laughs> little white ones shaped like, like yes. trees. Mm. With the little green sprinkles. Good. The sprinkles are the important yep. part. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, that, if you look up, you can go to Instagram, and it's easy to find the pictures of this stuff. It looks amazing. It yeah. really does. It's the most photogenic wine I've ever seen. 
they all look like uh, like wizards. <laughs> like a mad alchemist has brought this thing together. I just had, the, had that up a second It makes ago. me think of like dog pictures. You know, like they're really smiling dogs. <laughs> yeah. like, but it's that for wine. <laughs> More or less. Pretty much. So this stuff is very photogenic. But what it gets down to is this stuff's been around forever. But it wasn't a recognized variety in the U.S. until 2013. So that's why you had never heard of it, because no one could call it by that name. So everyone, it was just a mixed thing. It was just a mixed bag, so no one could be could call it out before. And now that we have a name for it, it's everywhere. Weird. Yeah, that's, I mean, it goes, you can't ignore the, the, the social media aspect of just having something different. And somebody, yeah. you know, having that ability to post up and, and take selfies with their, their stuff. Wait, yeah. is you telling me that the internet is for new and novel experiences? Never. No, it's a echo chamber where <laughs> things um, may start at one time new, but they they eventually just devolve. With hatred and cats. It's, a, it's an echo chamber where you can fart, and ten years later, still get a whiff of it. <laughs> but speaking of uh, ten years later, uh, apparently the Separavi wines can be drunk uh, ten to twenty years after bottling, so they are good wow. to age Ooh. for a steady long time. Huh. So are you telling me that if I had a child this year <laughs> and I took a selfie with this wine, I had two bottles of it, and I took a selfie with this wine with my kid, they could take a selfie in twenty-one years, and the wine would still be good. Yeah, possibly. Their 21st birthday, they could crack it open. Totally different then, but yeah, still. Yeah. But yeah, it was 1958 uh, when the grapes were first brought over. The first vines for these grapes were brought over. So I mean, they've been here for a while. They just weren't recognized. Hmm. I want to uh, try uh, this. That's, those, that's neat. Although I'm, like, that's a long shelf life for wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all that spicy clove and cinnamon. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Like I, yeah, I'll, I'm, I might look for this. I don't know. I will not. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I we I did see that um, it's selling out quite quickly. Oh, I'm sure. So Since if you're like able to trend. find it, it's yeah. it's something that people are grabbing up. I also just like the fact that it's like Dr. Frank's separate. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like bargain basement. <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh, you gotta give me some of Dr. Frank's hooch. Jeez. Oh right. boy. So moving on. <laughs> um, this one. Uh, Okay, there's no transition. I was about to be speaking of... No, I got nothing. Hooch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, this is... It's really about the happiest place on Earth, and it's getting happier. So, here's the rundown. Disney World? No. Uh, no, actually, it's the second really happiest, because this is the one in California. Anyway, <laughs> San Diego's Ballast Point plans to open a 7,300-square-foot brewery at Downtown Disney and Disneyland Resort in California. The facility will include not only a brewery, but also a restaurant and, quote, research and development brewery in which we can one can sample unreleased drinks. Following the urban culture trend, this will be a kid-slash-family-friendly brewery and at the happiest place on Earth. Second happiest. Um, so you so mean <laughs> when it's experimental, that means they've it's going to be like a Starbucks. So they're just going to have bottles of chemical flavorings since it's Ballast Point. <laughs> And they're oh. just going to be hitting. Just you know, I'll take a sculpin and give me put some of that flavoring in, some of that flavoring, <laughs> and stir it with some Arch. of this other one. Ouch! Make Arch. your own shots over there. Yeah. Uh, just uh, have little eyedroppers on the counter, and you go <laughs> over. I just pump. You I know what? It's... I would actually kind of be okay with that. 
It's like, like a all butter right. pump it's at the... the movie theater. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the BD's Mongolian Grill of, uh, of breweries. Oh, could you too. imagine if you had, like, a selection of Pale Ale? Oh, my goodness. If you had, like, Pale Ale, a Porter, Stout, and all these, but they didn't have hops in them either. And oh. you had hop extracts, and you could go over and, I want to try this one with... Uh, Cut off with... the street. We have a, we have a business idea. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We'll either come way, back to that business idea. Either way, it's kind of a crazy thing, because, like, you know, Disney... Well, Disney World in Florida, again, I don't, I don't, not 100% about the one in California, but the one in Florida has alcohol, but only at Epcot. Um, mm. Or served at, like, the restaurants, I think, at some of the locations. Yeah, so this will be one but of the first. It. This, uh, this, it won't be the first. I think there's already one, at least one place that serves alcohol at Disneyland. Definitely the first brewery. Though. Yeah, that's, that's this kind is kind of a big deal. This is going to be yeah. the first, you know, big place where you can get a lot of drinks at Disneyland. <laughs> so it's a big thing for them on that front. Uh, us with Disney World. So much money. Yeah. Oh, oh goodness, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I can't just, even imagine. Just to clarify, and Brittany did say this, but it, it's downtown Disney at Disneyland. So, yes. yeah, that right. would be yeah. um, sort of like their, their more late night focused. Right. Uh, right. Disney after dark. Well, we went. We were, <laughs> I can't. No, I don't think it was you and I. Somebody, we went to a nightclub once at a downtown Disney in Florida, and it had like. It was on Halloween, and there was oh. a, a, like DJ and drinks flow. I mean, it was like really no. That was themed. Did, has anyone else been before they closed it? Did anyone else go to Pleasure Island at Downtown Disney at Disney World? <laughs> no. So it used to. They ended up closing this, but it was a separate island because it was, it was a brothel. <laughs> not quite, but it was a separate island, and the sign for it just had a gigantic, seductively posed Jessica Rabbit with neon lights all around her. <laughs> And the whole island is nothing but nightclubs, or it used to be. Like, there were just, I think there were three comedy clubs and then a dance club for any kind of music you wanted. And wow. And our favorite club there, like, my family was addicted to the Adventurers Club, which was just this kind of, like, slapstick uh, age of adventuring comedy troupe, which is gone, but... <laughs> But no, it was just like, and every they had every night was New Year's Eve was the shtick there. So mm-hmm. they every night they did a big fireworks display and countdown. They had a big ball that would drop, and it, it was pretty fun. <laughs> hmm. um, one one kind of so this is Val's point that's put in there. Um, I do want to mention we never did bring this up on the show because I, we may not have been going at the time, but um, Carnival Cruise Line actually has a brewery on the ship and it's one of the, the few cruise or mm. I think the only cruise ship that has a, a brewery on the ship that actually does stuff there. So there are um, more and more breweries coming into where you would normally just find Bud Miller Coors products. I'm not a scientist but I imagine <laughs> that's that there's a certain extra deg- degree of difficulty there for that. Brewing in, you're a, right. in a moving <laughs> a moving uh, facility and all the uh, Everything's kicking around. Like, what are the complications with being literally on the ocean? Like, with whatever the salt waters bring into what you're brewing, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get into you get into a big big swell area, and and you can't get anything to clear. Everything's a New England IPA. <laughs> <laughs> salt gets into everything. It's all, all right, ghosts all around. Ghosts, ghosts everywhere. <laughs> Well, as we are uh, have a drink and not have an alcoholic beverage alone, let's talk a little bit about some non-alcoholic news coming around. Um, 
For all those live streamers out there who need the energy of caffeine to keep teabagging their defeated foes. Too much. No. Too yeah. much there. Too much. But uh, really just want something more natural. Pepsi has a new product to pair with your Doritos and Hot Pockets. Look, let's not let's not besmirch <laughs> the good name of Doritos. <laughs> um, in a, Well, I'll get through this now. I'll add, add one more thing. Uh, Mountain Dew Ice is a brand new brand from the company that packs the same punch as Mountain Dew with 91 milligrams of caffeine per 21 ounce or sorry, 20 ounce bottle. But this drink is perfectly colorless without that toxic Ninja Turtle ooze look. One thing to point out with Mountain Dew Ice is that the calorie content is almost half of that of Mountain Dew, 170 versus 100 per 12 ounce serving calories. That is, so it's it's Crystal Dew. Crystal Dew. Yes. Uh, it is an odd market. Uh, it, it is an odd market to try to add a product in since the clear lemon lime drinks segment has not grown significantly in recent history. I can't uh, plus... keep that whole industry on my back alone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also want to point out there is probably going to be, speaking of Super Bowl, there's probably going to be a Super Bowl commercial uh, with Peter Dinklage and the Doritos Freeman. Yeah, they're, they're shows this off. Hmm. Where I don't know if this uh, shows this. I know there's a Doritos thing. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's the Doritos, a fiery, like spicy Doritos. The spicy flavor. nacho. And yeah, then, he takes a bite and fire comes up behind him. And that's as yeah. far as the commercial I go before I go skip. Oh, hmm. okay. So then. Peter Dinklage begins to rap, or actually, it's it's some uh, some rapper that I don't know. He, he as he comes through, he's he's spitting rhymes pretty pretty bad too. I mean, it's pretty uh, bad as in a good term. Uh, <laughs> bad as in 1990s. Yes, uh, but then he ends his rap battle, and Morgan Freeman comes in as the Mountain Dew Ice side of this to cool off the fiery Doritos, and it's Missy Elliott rapping. <laughs> Uh, but Morgan Freeman's doing the whole the 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 mouth work while Missy Elliott's the one that's actually doing the rapping. Nice. No, I would pay money to see Morgan Freeman just rap a Missy Elliott song. Exactly. I need him I to go. I, I can't. I can't do the the backwards speech thing. Oh, you say oh, I gotta hear him yeah. do uh, get your freak on. Yeah. Flip it in reverse. Sit. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the the. We all know what it is, but no, we're not gonna even attempt. <laughs> I tr I did, and I'm I mutilated it, and I'm sorry. Everyone here is way too white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did get Speaking my genetic test back. Oh, let's. Oh. we'll talk about that. Yeah, save that for the main show. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mountain Dew, uh, the the new philosophy now I think is just slap the Mountain Dew label on it. Kids will love it. So no, uh, that stuff I've had it. It's it's it tastes like nothing. You're just. It doesn't taste like serum. It doesn't taste like any other lemon lime soda. It doesn't taste like Mountain Dew. It tastes like nothing. And you're just like, why did I buy this? From what I understand, the the bloggers that have have done their reviews on it say they you, the first thing you get is because I haven't had it. The first thing you get is sugar. Like you just taste sugar. Oh yeah, sugar sure. water. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh honey, honey. Um, and then it's like a cross between the lemon lime soda, but mostly lemon, no lime, and kind of a cross between Sierra Mist and 7-Up. Yeah, it, you're better off. If you <laughs> like Mountain Dew, just get a Mountain Dew, like flat out. Still, it, mad, still <laughs> mad at Sierra Mist for ruining my 7-Up days. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, me, me and Justin are agreed that 7-Up was a superior lemon-lime soda. Uh, mm -hmm. I still like Sierra Mist the best. Make 7-Up yours. <laughs> Brittany, I can't dramatically storm off screen. <laughs> 
fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't drink caffeine. Mountain Dew may kill me, so <laughs> I have avoided it my entire life. You so. know what else might kill you? <laughs> oh, uh, everything. Everything is bad, and I'm, well, I'm going to die in a number of ways. Uh, so. <laughs> Looks like large coffee companies face trouble as a California law might require them to have uh, cancer warnings on their labels. A long legal battle may be reaching a close of the possible possibility of a judge ruling on whether coffee giants like Starbucks uh, should have to have to have a label on their coffee regarding uh, it containing good science words. <laughs> acrylamide? 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 Uh, so like acrylic with yeah, lamide. Yeah, uh, I got closer than I thought I was going to. Um, <laughs> acrylamide is a chemical that comes as a byproduct of the cooking process and has been in a list of uh, chemicals California requires a warning uh, as they are known to, quote, cause cancer or reproductive toxicity. Jeez. It has been on that list since 1990. Ooh. Uh, it wasn't found in food products, however, until a Swedish study in 2002. Hmm. Eight years after that... Uh, the a the Council for uh, Education and Research of Toxins filed a civil complaint against uh, Starbucks and other large coffee uh, groups. Basically, a nonprofit filed mm. some some measure of suit. I don't know enough legalese to know exactly what. Um, and this is based on their violations of the Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act, uh, also known as Proposition 65. Uh, that this chemical is found is not just found in coffee however uh it is also found in fried potatoes bread and other grain products so i'm going to die I say, we so all, we're all getting die. cancer okay cool <laughs> well good lord according here's the other news according to the american cancer society uh, acrylamide uh, has shown to increase cancer in mice but no substantial link has been uh, to cancer is made made in humans uh they do recommend avoiding the chemical all the same great i mean i need to not eat fried food anyway but i can't not eat bread <laughs> yeah they so kind of how how this broke down is that there has been this long ongoing civil suit that they're they're in the middle of uh and if the judge finds in the uh, finds in the plaintiff's favor they could pay fines as large as $2,500 per person for every exposure to the chemical since 2002 at the defendant's oh, shops. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Think of all the Starbucks drink in California. Yeah. That's oh, it. Like, they're done. Like, they're, yeah. They may as well just move um, out. <laughs> the article does confirm the civil fines could be astronomical. Sounds um, like it, yeah. <laughs> literally oh, all the money in the world. All, uh, other places have had uh, have had similar uh, uh, suits come up, and they have settled, um, like BP West Coast Products, uh, Yum Yum Donuts, and Seven Eleven stores. Just hmm. went, all right, our bad. Take a big pile of money. We'll fix it. <laughs> uh, the, however, Starbucks and some others have been locked in this this legal battle for some time. Uh, so here's my thing. There's no, there's no actual link they've found yet between this and cancer in humans. In humans. Right. Uh, now, there's a link between 
the chair I'm sitting on and cancer with me somehow. Everything's connected to cancer. Right. Cancer kills us all. Are you breathing? Cancer. Um, and, you know, when I, as I was reading the first part of this, before I even got to that section, all I could think of was, yeah, you put a label on coffee. It's not going to stop people from drinking it. Oh, God, no. Mm-mm. I mean, there's labels uh, on energy drinks, and people still drink that poison anyway. Uh, yeah. But, the the so I I agree the fact that uh, some of these California labels are are a little little over the top. Um, the thing that I was reading down through there that did get me because because everything will kill you if you drink enough of it. Like yeah, that's the... that's something we <laughs> sometimes it's called drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> dry land drowning. Um, so th- that's it. But I did see a little bit further down that a twelve ounce serving of coffee contains approximately 10 times more of the substance than the no significant risk level. Yeah, I was trying to find that a minute ago, and I couldn't couldn't huh. see what it was now. Like a pot-a-day drinker. It, it depends on... So basically, this stuff is in, is in a lot of food. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they found a way to get around it somehow, but... It looked like it was things, it was things that caramelized. It's or, or went through the Mallard reaction, not necessarily Camelot. Yeah, no, that's actually but, the reaction it was for it, but I didn't know enough about it to make sure it, make sure yeah. it did any justice to that. Uh, but uh, they, Mallard is just when it's like caramelization, except it can happen over a longer or longer amount of time at lower heat, and it happens with proteins and not with sugars. Yeah, the the thing is, this is on a list that could cause some kind of health problem, but they have yet to find any substantive link between it and any sort of health concern. Yeah. Um, so it, it, on the one hand, it seems like jumping the gun. On the other, it would be nice to, to know the warning before the study comes out and goes, oh, by the way, we've killed an entire generation. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, well, I mean, it could be, you know, thalidomide 10, 20, 30 years later, something. Yeah. Um, so. And, it, you know, in, in addition to that uh with with all this if it was a process where they could do one small thing and take it out of the coffee you know, that would be nice the, the part of the the uh, part of the case requires them to pay the fines and find and remove it from their their product yeah. if it costs like five cents more to have acrylamide free coffee it may be worth it hmm. possibly um, but also, this only affects California at this time. But again, the kind of fees that could happen for Starbucks and some of these other big coffee chains—that yeah. uh, that—that'll break a place. Oh yeah, definitely. That would that'll break small countries. What those fees are going to be? Everything since two thousand and uh, everything since two thousand and two. Yeah, the the proposition uh, proposition sixty five is actually really handy for that. It 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 gives an avenue for larger lawsuits against things that you know you, they should be protecting us from instead aren't. Uh, so that part's kind of neat. I actually like the idea of that law because sometimes you just get screwed and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, oh. Chris. I believe that has wrapped up. Uh most of our headlines, but I have pushed for a while. Um, if you tuned into our uh, tasting episodes we used to do where we go through 12 packs or 12 packs, multi-packs, <laughs> variety packs from different breweries, 
uh, whenever we were running out of time there, I always like to try and shoehorn in some new beers. And we actually have a different platform for that now and some time for it. So actually, Dogfish is going to lead us off on this one with a great new beer uh, that's made with mace. (laughs) So like big metal bludgeoning death machines no as in pepper spray as in you're gonna go blind for a short period of time (laughs) no big deal this new beer as in what we as in what gets sprayed in our friend's face yes as in it's what casey does to himself when left alone with a bunch of peppers so it's called yeah yeah that too (laughs) it's called in your mace (laughs) to brew their newest beer the good people at dogfish head had to wear full body suits and face masks uh respirators too why the heavy-duty gear? Because their new small-batch brew is made with mace, as in the stinging pepper spray packed by riot police and women walking home alone at night. Damn. The beer is called In Your Mace, and it sounds intense. But By the way, Brittany, I had the same reaction. You just got like, there first. I mean, that's not, that's yeah, not Esquire. wrong. Yeah, it's wrong, just... but damn. But Esquire, Esquire, go in there. Calm down. Yeah. yeah. So, In Your Mace uh, came to be because Dogfish Head founder Sam Kiljonu is a madman. No. Uh, went yeah. to high school with the Eric Crawford, or, yeah, it says the Eric Crawford, <laughs> the VP for sales at Mace Security. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Together they experimented with two kinds of mace, one being the spice, <laughs> nutmeg shell, and the other being a natural pepper oil found in actual mace pepper spray. The result is a coffee milk stout brewed with chili oils, the active ingredient in mace for spicy nutmeg, uh, anise, and espresso aromas with a palate-warming chili-spiced finish. I bet it is. It won't burn your tongue and throat, Dogfish Head promises, but it's definitely got some heat. I mean, my question is, who amongst us hasn't tried to kick their chili up a notch by spraying some mace in there? (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, what I'm. Yeah, no. That's what I'm kind of expecting here is that the reason they had to wear the the big garb is to make this just... is because they were literally spraying mace cans in it. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's got to be because while they were brewing it, all the steam coming off of the kettles and vats was just basically mace. Yeah. <laughs> they that's didn't. A good point. They it, didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do what you did, Casey. Oh my goodness. Uh, do it. <laughs> so yeah, this weekend's uh, Extreme Beer Fest in Boston is where they're going to be debuting it and serving it up. Uh, it'll be on tap, also at the Milton Delaware Tasting Room. It's also selling a limited number of bottles, meaning we probably won't get a hold of them. No. Uh, yeah, first no. come, first serve, Saturday, starting at eleven a.m. for eighteen dollars each. Just try not to get any in your eye. <laughs> mm. I would it's love clear. to try it. That's going to be the new challenge. What is like pouring mace, oh. mace dogfish head? <laughs> forget in Tide, your forget Tide Pods. It's going to be turning a bomber of this onto your open eyes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that would. Just All right. Be what terrible. what other new? It's going to sting regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got some more fun things. I think we brought this one up just briefly in name before, but uh, we've got some more stuff on it. So coming out in cans, they have a nice picture of them on like off fresh off the canning line. We have the Chai Milk Stout mm. Nitro mm. from Left Hand Brewing Company. Simply known as Milk Stout, uh, Left Hand's year-round offering is iconic in American craft beer, uh, especially when they're suing their yeast supplier. <laughs> in a matter of days, that silky icon will have an exotic sibling uh, you'll know as Left Hand Chai Milk Stout Nitro. Brewery teased the fresh first, first fresh cans this week. 
chai spices with a range from cinnamon, uh, cardamom, allspice, ginger, and cloves. Meet one of our favorite milk stouts, and just the idea has us drooling. Yes, I cannot wait for this. So it's going to be 16 ounce cans, 16 ounce cans draft, and it is coming out this month, February. Five uh, percent ABV and 22 IBUs. Oh. I don't. Is that a? I guess it's a cow on the front. Yeah. Yeah. The can. Okay. Thought it might have been a pig for a minute, but I was watching something about Lord of the Flies earlier, so my brain might have been primed for that. <laughs> a little bit. All right, uh, next one coming up. We are finally, it is late for Founders to be eating this, but uh, Dankwood announced as the first in the Barrel Age series for this year, not coming out until April. So we saw Fruitwood, which was the first one out of last year. Straight Tussin. Right. Yeah, that is what everyone believed to be straight Tussin. Uh, that was out in like January or February. Like it, that's when they started it. So they're going to be starting April with Dankwood and KBS. Both will be dropping in April. Uh, Dankwood coming to the brewery's barrel age series in April. The Grand Rapids, Michigan-based brewery has taken a big, bold imperial red ale and aged it for a while in bourbon oak barrels. The resulting beer is described by founders as having a rich caramel note. As having rich caramel notes uh, emerge from the depths of the IPA. <laughs> Highlighting strong malt character while the bourbon barrel aging develops the complexity. They literally just tossed an IPA into a barrel and went, all right, whatever. That's what they do now. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked pretty well with Doom. I will it's admit true. that one was delicious. Uh, it's going to be in 750 milliliter bottles and 12-ounce bottles and on draft, wherever you're going to be able to find that. That'll be few and far between. And uh, we had another one on here from Westbrook. This one sounded great. And yes, it does. I don't know if we'll find mm -hmm. it. It's going to be Lemon Cucumber Gosa. Oh, mm. so Westbrook knows their way around some uh, some Gosas. Uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina-based brewery. Uh, their base Gosa might be one of the most popular of the style in the Southeast. It was first released in 2012. And once it was canned, really flew off the shelves. That popular release gave rise to a new variant, Key Lime Pie Gosa, which, thanks to Casey, I think we got to have that one back. We yeah. brought it Literally, uh, I was in the store when the guy brought it in the door. <laughs> so not only was it fresh, we got it because there was... <laughs> you there, it, bring that here. I took it off of his dolly as he was... <laughs> I was like, Are, can I just go ahead and take that right now? <laughs> the most Casey thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was great. We brought those to Nerdtacular, so yeah, oh, that yeah. was that was great and part of our tasting there. Uh, looks like the Westbrook Lemon Cucumber Gosa is on the horizon in cans, a beer that just screams warmer weather. Expect a tart Gosa with hints of lemon and cucumber in a 12-ounce, 4% alcohol by volume package. This beer has already made an appearance on draft, so it is already out there if you are in the South Carolina area. Uh the actual the official debut is TBA. It's going to be in the 12-ounce cans and on draft, 4% ABV. Cool. Mm, sounds I worry helpful. about this because cucumber is just unfinished pickles. <laughs> so refreshing. Cucumber water is like one of the best. Oh, oh cucumber yeah, water is so good. Sorry. Pickle water, however, <laughs> not, is not delicious. So Lemon just, water. Well, picklebacks <laughs> after shots of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right that note, Brittany, you want to take us out <laughs> okay so we would like to remind everyone that this is our new news only show but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink if you like what you hear and want to support the show uh, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show where you can pledge as little as a dollar a month or as much as you want 
Uh, we'll see you next Patreon. Saturday. Com huh? Slash have a drink show. Oh, have a sorry. Drink show. I, I was I saw have a drink show and I was like, there's no show. I was expecting to have a drink as one word oh. and show as another, <laughs> but I'm I'm completely wrong. Yeah, right. it's not how it's not how URLs work. <laughs> All right. Um, so for the news show, we will see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>